another Christmas day will come and go away And I've got so far to go, but I want to go home I need to go home Well, hey, everyone. Um, it's Scott, and I'm joined by Woody again. And we just kind of wanted to, to, to do a little thing. We are, right now as we're recording this, it's the 21st of December. So using some quick math, four days away from from Christmas, kind of the the Super Bowl of well, I, I don't know. Like if you were, and this is probably bad and sacrilegious, but what if you were power ranking Christian holidays? Like which one's yeah. first, which one's second for you as far as Easter and Christmas goes? This is something that I've probably thought about a lot more than I should have, Scott. And I remember last year I had a similar conversation with some of my friends about this ranking, and it came down to, and again, this is sacrilegious, but. Yeah. The worldly significance, like the cultural significance of both holidays. Because I think if you look at them from a spiritual standpoint, you can make an argument either way, right? right. They're both pretty, pretty significant important. in yeah. that way. But I got to go with Christmas just because of like, okay. the worldly impact it has, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think like, it's now I'm, I'm thinking about this maybe for the first time, uh, actually, about which one. I mean, A, obviously, we both know that saying one is more important than the other is, is an insane thing that we would never actually, like, fully get behind and Absolutely. have campaigns about. However, because you're instantly like, oh, well, it's got to be Easter because, you know, the whole death and resurrection thing was right. is kind of key for salvation. But at the same time, Christmas, we're talking about God becoming incarnate in human form is also extremely key. And without that, then... What happens at Easter wouldn't matter, but I guess without what happened at Easter, Christmas maybe. Uh, who knows? It's it's a it's a mind just like bender that <laughs> I don't want to get into too much. Would you say if Easter is like the college football championship, then Christmas is like the SEC championship game? It's like the lead up. I yeah, I think that would actually be fair. Like, okay. um, I mean, sometimes that falls on its face because there's been times where Alabama hasn't play in this championship but it's still one national championships because sure. that's how the world works but let's say in a perfect world like yeah you know alabama in order to play for the national championship had to beat florida on saturday exactly yeah so yeah so you gotta have you can't have one without the mm-hmm. other i think that's fair to say but today because it is the 21st of december we are talking about um christmas and you know first of all uh let's just get the the secular things out of the way first um, so this is what I want to know, two things. I want to know uh, what's the best Christmas gift you've ever gotten, A. And then B, what would be your favorite uh, Christmas song? Oh, wow. Um, the best Christmas gift I've gotten, and this is going to be kind of a weird answer because it was way back when I was probably in maybe sixth or seventh grade, I think. My parents gave me and my brother a set of Lego um, um now I'm blanking on the name. What was the, like, Lego? It was, like, electronic. You can connect it and program it. Mindstorms. Mindstorms, Mindstorms is what they're called. Yeah. Um, some of our audience might, might know what those are, but um, those are big because my brother and I were both, like, um, big Lego fanatics. Yeah. And the idea that you can now, like, program Legos and get them to move and do things like that. It was a great Christmas. I think that was, like, our only gift that year, but I was still stoked about that. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite Christmas song... This is going to be so cliche. Um, actually, wait, hold on. I was going to say all I want for Christmas is you, but I take that back. Right. Because last year around this time, there was one Christmas song that really got me through this season, um, at least when I was back at school. And it's Home by Michael Buble 
featuring Blake Shelton. Wow. So it's the it's the Christmas version of Home. Um, okay. He's talking about you know how he wants to be home for Christmas and all that, and I just had that on repeat when I was at college before winter break. Yeah, well, I can completely understand that. I mean, that makes that makes total sense. Good options for me. The best the best gift by far. And I can't remember if I said it on the podcast before, but. I can't even remember what year it was, but whatever year the Nintendo 64 came out, wow. um, my really? brother and I had no clue, no clue that we were getting that for Christmas. We didn't, I don't remember if we'd asked for it or whatever, but we got like our gifts from Santa and uh, that wasn't one of them. But then we had this, both of us had these envelopes in our stockings that oh. like you had to, you had to put them together and it read out that there was a surprise downstairs in the basement. Wow. And we ran, ran down there and there was the Nintendo 64, which was... At the time, like, I know that people freak out about getting PS5s, but you got to remember, like, back then, the internet was just becoming a thing. There was no, so it was all just sort of like word of mouth. There was a, there was way more, it seemed like, because the world isn't so convoluted with other things. Like, the Nintendo 64 came in out, coming out was a huge deal. Right. Like, you would go rent these systems, like, from Blockbuster mm-hmm. and play with them. And so the fact that our parents got us one was just... Unbelievable! I remember the first games we had were Mario Kart and Wave Race, Wave which Race. were Wave Race was literally like Mario Kart except you're on jet skis, and it was oh. uh, an awesome game, just incredible, incredible, incredible stuff. But that was by far away the greatest gift. And my favorite Christmas song, and and this isn't like playing to the Christian card by any stretch, but it's just sort of how I am. But the one, it's always been the hymns that I've appreciated more than just like the secular Christmas songs. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I guess it's because the secular Christmas songs drive me insane during the season. But like Hark the Herald Angel Sing is by far and away, has always been my favorite yeah. Christmas song. Yeah. Like the chorus is electric and oh my gosh, just amazing. Now you're making, now I feel like a bad No, 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 you're not a bad kid. Listen, Michael Bublé Home and Michael, that's a good, that's good stuff. I didn't really. I, I set you up for failure there. I think. What is the What is the hymn that goes? Um, it it gets. To, I don't know if this is the bridge where it goes. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear yes. the angel voice. That's a Oh Holy Night. Yes, God, I should have known that. Inject that that line that verse oh into my, my into my veins because yes. every time you hear that, especially in our traditional service here, it gives me chills. Oh my gosh, anyway. that song! I remember last year. Um, there was a guy, his name is Mark Zekoff, who, uh, who was like the soloist for the 11 mm. p.m. service, which I like led. And uh, he did Oh Holy Night. Yes. And when he hit that like sort of last crescendo where you're screaming like divine, mm. oh night, divine, you just scream at the top of his lungs. Like I like shook. It was incredible. That is, it's sort of like the national anthem. That oh, song. Yeah, it's the absolutely. national anthem of Christmas. There's no doubt. Vocally challenging, but the ones that nail it, nail it. Imagine, imagine singing that in Jordan here on Christmas oh Eve. My the gosh. fighter jets are, are flying above you. Yes, just wow. Yes, and I think you could. I think you could sing a holy night before a football game. The fighter jets flew over, and people would have the same reaction. Probably. Yeah, because I mean, I don't, I got some hot takes on the national anthem, but we're not going to say them here because it could get <laughs> it could get very um, just in comparison with other countries' national anthems. But th- well, never mind. I don't want to get into that because yeah. I, I want to keep my job through twenty twenty one. But um, you know, Christmas is a is is an interesting time because there is way more of like a season, like it's the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Easter, I mean, even though you have like Lent, there's not as much like build up to it. You have Holy Week. Sure. You have Holy Week, and that's about it. But Christmas is like this whole big deal. But 
briefly, because I mean, you know, we've we we've this gets if you've been to church or anything like that, you know, the Christmas story kind of gets talked about ad nauseum. But just kind of like do a brief overview, and and really the the tenor I want to focus on is sort of the insanity of of the story, just from like start to finish, from when we find it at the beginning of the Gospels uh, to to its its completion with this birth narrative that we uh, talk about. At Christmas, but let's just go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. So, um, you know, God, uh, in his infinite mercy and wisdom, uh, says, all right, listen, the best way to do this is to, to basically send, send myself, send my son um, to earth. And, and how we're going to do that is, is we're going to find um, a woman uh, who is who's, who's probably, you know, the Catholics revere Mary, a lot more than we do in the in the Protestant church, mm-hmm. which I think is an error by us, because Mary is clearly a special character in Scripture. Right. But it says, all right, yeah, this is how we're going to do this. And this angel, <laughs> this angel appears to Mary and is like, hey, uh, so you're going to get pregnant, FYI, and you know, don't worry about it because it's going to be the Holy Spirit, and and you're going to name that child Jesus. And you can just imagining for for listen, it's, it would be a scandal nowadays. Um, for someone to be, you know, uh, supposed to be, you know, engaged to someone else and get pregnant from from some other means. However, back then, this was like would have been the scandal of all scandals. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman who is not married, who's supposed to be married to this man named Joseph, getting pregnant, and so you can just like imagine a her feelings and emotions, but b the feelings and emotions and trepidation she must have had going to her future husband and telling him. Right. Telling him this, right? Because I, I can't. I often think about like one of the most incredible people in Scripture who often gets overlooked is Joseph. Yes, because he is basically told, "All right, yes, this person that you're going to marry, um, she's now pregnant," and at that point, he has every right to basically turn her in to the authorities, and and who knows what would have happened, but you know. You know, the angel appears to him and says, you know, don't be afraid. You know, what Mary's telling you is true. What Mary's telling you is true. This isn't like some human thing. It's legitimately God that's involved in this. And uh, what what a crazy turn of events that, that must have been for Joseph in his life to know that, all right, my, my whole dream was to to live sort of this kind of middle-class lifestyle as a carpenter, to, to marry, to get married to marry. And, um, and and to maybe have some kids and all that stuff and live live just sort of your standard Jewish life and now all that is completely turned upside down. Right, and you, you mentioned, you know, they're a very standard middle-class middle family. You'd think that if God were coming to earth, he would pick literally royalty or, or yeah. some, like, upper echelon citizen to, to come through with, but he picks just this random couple. Yeah, even, like, Moses, who, I mean, this is a... Moses who... Um, it's kind of, you know, one of us, you know, you had King David and you got Moses who are basically the heroes of the Old Testament. Moses is at least raised by royalty and becomes, in a lot of ways, part of, like, the royal order. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it would make sense for, for God to utilize someone sort of in that, that echelon of, of being, but, but doesn't, chooses Mary, who's married to Joseph, who comes from the line of, of David, which that that sort of messianic yeah. prophecy wise makes sense but yeah. yeah it's just sort of like this this random normal couple whose ancestry is in Bethlehem which as we've talked before is kind of we think about it like it's this sort of booming metropolis 
but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a really like biblically like tiny, tiny town um, that they have to go through. So Mary's still just pregnant. Uh, then all of a sudden, there's there's a census that's like, hey, yeah, everybody's got to go back to their hometown for this for the census, which we complain now about the census that we have in this country, and it's seems to be very difficult to get people to actually do it. And all you do is go online and fill out a few questions. But then you had to travel um, in covered wagon or on horses or however they traveled back then to get back to your homeland. And they were all the way up north. So they had to go all the way to the south because Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem to do this census. And not only that, while they're there is when it's time for her to have this child. And literally, besides maybe the middle of the desert, the worst place you could possibly think of. Far away from home in a small town with no room at all. And that's where um, Jesus is born, is in, is in this kind of like stable in this no-name town that they shouldn't have been in in the first place, really. But because of the census, they had to be there. And, and I, I think like that's sort of my big reflection on this story is that None of it really makes sense. Right. It's like if you were telling the narrative of the birth of a king, I don't think this is how you would do it. It's the strangest set of circumstances. It is. And and even going beyond that, like the people that we see that, you know, the angels appear to first to come see the child, shepherds in a field somewhere outside of Bethlehem, and then uh, magi who we kind of portray them as kings, like royal things, but they were, you know, most likely more uh, into astrology and, and, and all this other stuff, so they were they were they were different types. But at any rate, they definitely weren't Jewish, mm-hmm. and and they come from a long way away. The the joke we used to make in Fort Payne was uh, who were the first um, firemen in the Bible, and we said the wise men because they came from afar. No, because <laughs> because conjugating things was difficult for us up there. So instead of fire, we would say far and all this other stuff. Yeah, hilarious. But um. <laughs> So it's just the entire circumstance of it is crazy. And and we oftentimes will will make the story into this like beautiful cute little wholesome narrative, but it's it's really chaotic. Mm-hmm. It's chaotic and kind of kind of stunning and I don't know. I think like the old it's weird like the older I've gotten that story has taken on a different meaning to me and a new one. And I found it more we'll say edifying. To my to my spirit, the older I've gotten, because of like the insanity of it all. Right. I think growing up, you know, you watch the Christmas plays. Maybe I think I was a shepherd when I was itty bitty, and I was in a Christmas play or something like that. Um, and the the whole Christmas story is I won't say romanticized, but it's made out to be some you know beautiful, wholesome, almost cute thing that happens. But you know, kind of similar to you, the older you get, the more you realize that it was again this chaotic unexpected thing that you know who could have made up a story like this yeah who could have made up a story like this and i think that's sort of where the whole why it's easy for me to believe the story is because if you were writing one you wouldn't write it like this this isn't how you would do it you wouldn't tell god would not come down to earth to be with us in the form of his son jesus as a child born in a barn surrounded by farm animals and and shepherds and these random people that followed stars and uh and have to flee to egypt because king herod wants to murder him after yeah. 
after he's born. That's like one of those parts about the Christmas story that we kind of we kind of avoid that next chapter. Right. Jesus is born. It's like, oh my God, the shepherds and the wise men come. But then they have to flee to Egypt because Herod wants to kill all the children, which is a horrific deal and tells you a lot about like Herod and why there was and, and how much fear and trepidation existed because of what Jesus was coming to do. And but I don't know. I, I think like we. As, as Christians, sometimes because we've heard the story a million times, lose track of what we're actually reading. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy story, and, and one that I think is, is worthy of, of wherever you are and however you celebrate Christmas. And, you know, I know that a lot of you won't be able to see family this year because of everything that's going on, but whether you're with your family or whether you're not, taking some time, um, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, if you're watching a service, attending a service, whatever it is, take some time to like reflect. Look at a nativity scene and reflect on how crazy it actually is. Um, because I think the craziness of it is what makes it actually beautiful and what makes it special. Absolutely. So, Woody, big question here. What, um, if, you could, if you could have anything this Christmas, what would it be? You know, Scott, I'm not a man of many wants. Um, of, of course, of course. I, man, if I had to choose something, I'd say either the new iPad Air, just because if you know me, I'm an Apple fanatic, mildly, yes. or, and this is something that people are going to roast me for, but a boosted board, one of those electric skateboards, yeah, which are ridiculously expensive, I'll say. They, they have no reason to be how expensive they are, um, but as someone who skates board around a lot, especially in L.A., it would be cool to have. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's those are great options. I've been trumpeting that that all I want is a PlayStation Five, which is insane. I'm 32 and married, but I mean, as I've stated before, all the things that like it was the same thing. You want an iPad Air? It's not really something you need. Right. You want a you want an electric skateboard? It's not really something you need. But Christmas, to me, like I, it reminds me that I don't have any needs. Right. And that this is all just kind of petulant. These are the things that I want. Mm-hmm. And a PlayStation 5 really, like, fits all those things. I, I do want to say this real quick. I mean, we used to, at the at the genesis of, of these youth podcasts, used to talk a lot about tech stuff. And I want to say something. I, like you, am a huge Apple person. Mm-hmm. I, I want to own all of their stuff. And, and hopefully for Christmas, you know, I may get one of those, like, new mini HomePod things. But... I have had uh, an iPad Air for the one, not this most recent one, the one right before it, for uh, over a year now. And the first thing I did was I bought like their keyboard that came with it because I kind of use oh, it basically yeah. as a laptop. Mm-hmm. And what was the most disappointing thing to me, Woody, is that that thing ripped apart pretty quick. Oh yeah, it's it's so it's really like it's the poorest made thing I've ever owned of theirs. They make it out of this weird felt material. Yeah. It falls apart at the seams. Mine, yes. you can like see the glue inside of it. It's not up to Apple standards. It's not. And and they haven't, I don't think they've done anything to improve it. So like I had to replace it because it got to where like some of the keys were sliding out from underneath. And I replaced it with a Logitech product. And it's infinitely better. Mm. Now it is heavier, but... From a build quality, it's got a trackpad and all that other stuff. I don't know what the new one that they came out with. It's like a hundred. Oh, the the folio. Or the, however much money it is, yeah, I think it's more yeah. than I'm saying. Oh yeah. I don't know how great that is, but this thing is phenomenal. Logitech makes good products for Apple things. 
I always remember them as a company who they were like on top of the game as for like third party yes accessories especially yes. back when the iPod was big they used to make all those speakers you could plug your your iPod into the top yes anyway yeah no they were incredible at that and they also have like a big uh market in like the um making mice and keyboards yeah. for for different things especially like gamers like it a lot but Logitech stuff um, if you're looking for like a keyboard for your for your iPad for some reason, that's where I would go. Um, also, uh, I've had my my iPhone 12 for a long time, and I'm a huge fan. Really? I'm a huge fan. Yeah, it's great. That's it's awesome to hear. Uh, we hyped that up so much in the, in we this did. office. Yeah, we did. We did, and we're probably gonna film a video later using it. So any of the videos you see from now on are probably done. We're we're gonna make our own like highlight film of like you know this was captured with an iPhone or whatever. <laughs> Like, they do. like an Apple commercial. Like an Apple commercial. Well, listen, guys, um, obviously with uh, church being closed currently, um, it, it's hard for us to not see you in person. We miss seeing you on Wednesdays and on Sunday mornings and all that stuff. But uh, we hope right now that you have a merry, merry, merry Christmas uh, with your friends and family, and we will uh, see you guys really, really soon. Oh, I swear.